0: Well, welcome to the Healthcare Disparities Podcast. This is our regular exploration of health equity. Um, and it's a program, of course, and an initiative of Movement is Life. I'm Michelle Leake. I'm a healthcare administrator in Jacksonville, Florida at Mayo Clinic. And, and I'm your co host for today. I'm joined uh, by my co host, uh, Bill Finnerbrock.
1: Thanks, Michelle. Thanks everyone for being here. Looking forward to today's program.
0: So before we jump into this topic of community health needs assessment, I wanted to give you just a little bit of a background. Our panelists joining us today are all from the Jacksonville metropolitan area in Jacksonville, Florida. They are leaders um, in Jacksonville and for their respective healthcare organizations. And they are specifically responsible for the community health needs assessment that all nonprofit hospitals are required to complete every three years. So Bill, before we go into the formal introduction of our panel members, tell our audience a little bit more about community health needs assessments.
1: The community health needs assessment is something that grew out of the Affordable Care Act or what uh, generically is referred to as Obamacare and it was a key part of that legislation although it's not something that has necessarily gotten a lot of attention in the and the general public but the idea is that in order to be able to do a good job of providing care in your community it's important to try and understand what the needs are the community health needs assessment legislation as michelle said requires that nonprofit healthcare organizations engage in this community health needs assessment what are the needs through uh, surveys, through assessments in your community? And then what are you going to do to meet those needs uh, in your community? And it, these organizations that are here with us today, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but have really taken uh, a, a unique approach to this, how to develop the community needs assessment. And I've been involved with this in my community. And uh, I, I, as we'll elaborate on later, I think what you guys are doing is really the right way uh, to do this but it's not the way that everybody is doing their community needs assessment so thank you for what you're doing and and i really look forward to hearing what you have to say today
0: thank you so much for that um bill so much appreciated. So, we're going to explore with our panel today this very novel, collaborative, community wide model for completing a community health needs assessment. And we're going to discuss how this strategy um, is so key for healthcare planning and how it provides uh, providers the opportunity to combine their efforts uh, to eliminate healthcare disparities. So with that, let's introduce our panel. And as I introduced each one, I'd like for them just to talk a little bit about their role at their respective organizations and tell us a little bit about their organizations because the other thing that I think is so unique um, about this collaborative effort in Jacksonville, Florida to do a community health needs assessment is the, the different healthcare systems that have come together in this partnership. So if we could, we'll start with um, Melanie Pat. At. Melanie is the Vice President of Community Investment and Impact at Baptist Health here in Jacksonville. Thanks,
2: Michelle. Baptist Health is a five-hospital health system in Northeast Florida and located headquartered in Jacksonville. We have more than 1,200 team members and we have more than 150 primary care physicians throughout Northeast Florida. Our mission is is to continue the healing ministry of Christ by providing accessible quality healthcare services at a reasonable cost in an atmosphere that fosters respect and compassion. And our vision is a lifetime of health together. We are the largest private employer in Northeast Florida. Many of the health systems are large private employers in the communities where they're located. And we are locally governed So it's really important for us to make sure that what we're doing to improve the health and well-being of our community is focused on Northeast Florida and Jacksonville, where our team members live and where our patients live and work.
0: Melanie, thank you so much. And thank you again for joining us today. Our second panelist is Anne-Marie Knight. Anne-Marie is the Vice President of Community Engagement and the Chief Diversity Officer at UF Health Jacksonville. Welcome, Anne-Marie.
3: Thank you, Michelle. Good morning to everyone. As Michelle said, I'm Anne-Marie Knight. I serve as the Vice President for Community Engagement and Chief Diversity Officer at UF Health Jacksonville. We're a system. um, Locally, we have two hospitals, one in Duval County and one in um, Nassau County. We have... um, 100 specialties, over 400 faculty, full service hospital, but I guess our niche, if we have something that's different from our colleagues, we serve as the safety net hospital for our region. Pretty uh, proud of that responsibility. It ties specifically to our mission, which is to heal, to comfort, to educate, and to discover through quality healthcare, elimination of health disparities, medical education, innovation, and research. And I mentioned that only because of the tie to your work as an organization around the elimination of health disparities. Thanks for having
0: me. You bet, Anne-Marie. Thank you. And now we are going to introduce our third panelist, Paula uh, Badiz from Ascension, Florida, and uh, Gulf Coast. She is the Director of Community Benefits. So, Paula, welcome. Thank you, Michelle.
4: And to talk a little bit about um, our organization. We are part of Ascension, one of the leading nonprofit Catholic healthcare systems um, internationally. As well, uh, we strongly tie into our faith based organization. Um, I'm the community benefit director of Ascension Florida Gulf Coast. So I work with uh, Southeast Georgia, Northeast Florida, then across North Florida over into the Gulf Coast southern Alabama, and into a little bit of Mississippi is our footprint. Here, locally, with Ascension St. Vincent's, um, we absolutely connect in our three-hospital system, acute care system, as well as primary and specialty care um, and supporting services um, to serve our mission, so delivering compassionate care.
0: Great to have you here with us. And uh, we will now introduce my colleague, um, Ashley Pratt. Ashley Pratt is the uh, Director of Community Engagement at Mayo Clinic here in Florida. So, welcome,
5: Ashley. Thank you so much, Michelle. And um, it's a pleasure being here today. A little bit about Mayo Clinic Mayo Clinic is a nonprofit organization with a mission of inspiring hope and contributing to health and well being by providing the best care to every patient through integral clinical practice education and research and extending our strategic mission through active community engagement activities. We're we're located in Jacksonville, Florida, and we're an essential piece of Mayo Clinic with our headquarters uh, based in Rochester, Minnesota. Mayo Clinic in Florida has been in operation for more than 30 years. Uh, We are uniquely qualified to care for the serious and complex health needs of people in the local community, Southeast region of the United States, and across the globe. Giving back to communities is an integral part of Mayo Clinic's mission, and our vision through our Mayo Clinic um, Community Engagement Department is to be a proactive partner, inclusive of diverse and underserved populations, and contribute to the overall health, sustainability, livability, and vibrancy of the many communities we serve, we all serve, both locally and at the enterprise level at Mayo Clinic.
0: And Jessica Cummings, so glad to have you with us um, this afternoon as well. Jessica is the Executive Director of Community Health at Brooks Rehabilitation Center here in Jacksonville.
6: Thank you, Michelle, and thank you for having us on this podcast. Um, Brooks Rehabilitation has been um, headquartered in Jacksonville for just over 50 years now. Um, We really strive to Uh, have a mission to empower people to achieve their highest level of recovery and participation in life through an excellence and rehabilitation. Um, A little bit unique from my colleagues is Brooks is a post-acute care hospital. So once an individual has um, recovered enough uh, to need rehabilitative services, whether that be physical rehabilitation, speech rehabilitation, occupational therapy, um, they would come towards to Brooks. We have 41 different locations Um, throughout the state of Florida. So not only Northeast Florida where we're headquartered, but also down into Central Florida and then over to the West, um, down into the Tampa area. Um, Truly it is um, our mission and and our our values in order to um, create excellence in care uh, through compassion, innovation, integrity, teamwork, accountability and and to finish that out with continuous learning. Mm -hmm. So it is a pleasure to be here with my colleagues um, to share this important topic.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Jessica. And again, thank you to all of our panelists. And I think that uh, we can hear from the overview of their respective organizations that top rated hospitals and medical facilities have really put Jacksonville on the map as a center for advanced medicine. And hearing the Commitment to the health and well being of the community that we serve is an inspiration, um, certainly to me, and I I think to everyone. You know, the metropolitan area of Jacksonville, the population is 1.5 million. It's the fourth largest metropolitan area in Florida. And our listeners may not know that Jacksonville is the largest city by area in the country. So, a lot of ground to cover, large population but we are blessed to have the medical facilities that we we do. So let's jump right into the first question. And we are very much interested in how this collaborative approach to completing the community health needs assessment came about. And we are also very interested in understanding um, how the health needs assessment helped you and is helping you to address the identified gaps that uh, came about as a result of your, your work with the community health needs assessment.
3: So Michelle, that is a fantastic question. And when we started thinking as a collaboration about what we would talk about today, we honestly wanna flip that question back to you. You mm-hmm. were um, at the forefront of the establishment of this partnership. So would you mind on in honor of our group uh, taking mm-hmm. the lead on that response?
0: Absolutely. Um, This was back in 2011, I think as Bill mentioned, uh, the requirement uh, became um, law with the Affordable Care Act in 2010. And 2011, leaders from Mayo Clinic here in Florida, Baptist Health, Brooks Rehab, Clay County Health Department, and the Duval County Health Department, as well as Nassau County Health Department, and Putnam, Shands Jacksonville, St. Vincent's, and Wolfson's Hospital convened to form the Jacksonville Metropolitan Benefit Partnership to conduct the first ever multi-hospital system and public health sector collaborative community health needs assessment. Now that's a mouthful. What it really boils down to is a very um, varied um, group of Healthcare leaders, healthcare organizations, whether it's in healthcare delivery, uh, whether it's in public health, uh, coming together to complete this community health needs assessment—not as a requirement, just to check the box that we did it, because we—but because we believe in the health and well-being of the communities we serve and where we live. And I, I think what really made it possible for us to step into this partnership was the camaraderie that had already been established as the foundation with the CEOs of our respective organizations and coming together on a pretty regular basis to share ideas, to talk about some of the opportunities that we see individually and collectively in our community in terms of advancing the health and well-being of Jacksonville and the larger metropolitan area. So today the partnership really consists of nine nonprofit hospitals that truly represent a shared voice and vision for improving population health and wellness in the Jacksonville metropolitan area. The partnership's vision then um, was then and is now to improve population health in the region by eliminating the gaps that prevent access to quality integrated healthcare, and to improve access to resources that support a healthy lifestyle. So that was the mission then, some 10 plus years ago, right? And that is the mission today. So let's move on to the second question. And Paula, I'd like for you to start with your thoughts on this one. Um, a situational overview. So could you give us and our listeners an outline of this model? The where, the who, and uh, the what and when, if you like, of, of how this sort of has come together?
4: Sure, absolutely, Michelle. And as you said, um, this model really wasn't unprecedented for us. The hospital CEOs um, work very collaborative, collaboratively in our or in our community to really bring forth public policy initiatives, things such as banning smoking across all our hospital campuses, opioid prescribing policy changes, working to support free and charitable clinics. These have all been precedences that our organizations have worked together on. So with the development of the community health needs assessment, all of our healthcare systems coming together and having their representative there really was a natural fit Um, from the community health needs assessment um, tends to be the focus and drive much of the work, but as it's developed and changed and needs have become different and needs have stayed the same, uh, we've seen that we can work collaboratively on the report as well as the implementation plans and strategies in our community to improve the health and wellness, as well as work on other community initiatives that we've seen outside that engagement community education, um, infant mortality, we've had mental health initiatives. We're all very supportive. We still continue to meet monthly as well as support every healthcare systems, initiatives, programs, communities, because we know as we all would, all of our healthcare systems would benefit from that rise in health and wellness in our community. It really drives everything that we do.
0: I'm struck by, you know, the the needs that um, are identified through the community health needs assessment. They're pretty significant. And there are a lot of them. And from what you describe, it only makes sense for each member of the partnership to leverage what they do best and bring that to the table in an alignment with a specific need. The other thing I think about um, improving the health and well-being of the communities in which we serve is that those communities need to know us, and we need to know them. Right? To develop that that trust, so that you can um, partner with them to improve improve health and well-being. So could someone talk a little bit about that being the face of your organization out in the community and the effort that it takes to
3: build that trust and engagement? So, I mean, each of us has unique relationships in the community. There's Mm -hmm. a little bit of overlap, right? But um, you hit it on the head, Michelle. Uh, There's an advantage that we each can bring based on the relationships we have. Um, I'm thinking about my colleague, Paula, who of course Ascension is a Catholic Institute, right? So we know we could leverage those relationships very uniquely when it comes to our work in the community. So that's how we look at our work, you know, is, you know, we often come to meeting and we have a topic and we say, okay, who do you know? Who do you know? Who do you know? And so that way we can kind of think together to see what's the best approach in navigating whatever the topic is with a particular community. So Mm -hmm. me going to a community that maybe Melanie already has a strong relationship with is not advantageous to the group. Melanie Mm -hmm. already has that relationship, right? So we look at each other and we ask about relationships and opportunities like that.
0: Bill, I think you had a comment perhaps?
1: I'm just fascinated listening to you talk and the the attitude and the mindset that you are all bringing to the table uh, because it is so unique. I've had the opportunity to work with communities all around the country. And more often than not, different healthcare providers see themselves as competitors, not collaborators. And the message, even this short period of time we've been together, is one of you see yourselves as collaborators, not competitors. Mm-hmm. And how does that come about? I mean, that is it, I think you referenced the, you know, your CEOs. Is it is it because the CEOs recognized that a long time ago? But you know, is this replicable in other communities? Or are you guys the unicorn that we can all say, wow, that's really cool and beautiful, but it only can exist in Jacksonville?
0: Great question. Ashley, why don't you start there?
5: Yeah, why I think. I And thank you. And I mean, it's a great point. It's, I think it's something that we talk about all the time, right? We, we joke about we're, you know, we're competitive with each other. But when we're together, we're, um, we focus on the partnership priorities through the community health needs assessment. And, you know, the large benefit to the collaboration is that, you know, we spend time information sharing on best practices, uh, upcoming programs and leverage each other's support. But we know, you know, putting the competitiveness aside, you can do it when we know that our mission ultimately is the same that we want to make the greatest impact to the community. We want to address um, the health disparities by looking at those um, social determinants of health and com- combating them. And so that is a lot of what our, you know, our priorities, our strategic priorities may be different at each institution, but our mission to help support the community. Um, combat these um, issues, like I said before, um, is is important to, to all of us. And we know that when we do learn more from each other, work together, whether it's all five of our systems working together or pieces of our systems, because there may be, you know, some different projects that we're each working on, we know that if we come together to collectively address the community on certain topics and having our health systems Come together as a united front it makes the biggest impact in our community and that's why that competitiveness um goes to the at times you know we look at it too but 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 that's you know um, we know that our community it benefits our community and that that's why we we leave that competitiveness side
0: out Ashley, thank you um, anyone else like to comment on on that in terms of a, the benefit? of a collaborative versus a competitive approach, how you can set that competitor piece aside and step up with the collaborative. Melanie, please.
2: Uh, Paula mentioned this as one of the reasons, or one of the projects that our CEOs did together, and that was becoming smoke-free campuses. Mm -hmm. And we did that on the same day. And so one of the benefits that I would say is it provides us with cover when when we all do things together then there's less likelihood that any one of our organizations will experience any negative backlash
1: Jessica you're the post acute care facility and almost by by definition you know you're you're not the competitor necessarily with these folks you're the entity to whom they all I would presume refer patients mm-hmm. who have exhausted whatever their needs are for an acute care and are going to you. So how do you kind of fit in with all of these folks in in this process?
6: You know, I jokingly like to say that we are Switzerland, right? So we <laughs> we exist in this in this world and we're just happy that everybody is our friend. Um but but the reality is um as being the post acute provider, um we have a unique uh, opportunity to serve the collaborative as a whole um, thinking just of our CEOs uh, my CEO uh, runs our CEO meeting right so they all occur at Brooks which we just happen to be a central location in Jacksonville so that works well and in a in a post-COVID time they'll go back to to meeting in person um, so geographically we're centrally located which works well uh, my leader Doug Bear being um, the post-acute CEO, uh, leads that meeting. And so it, it, it helps to have that one, um, kind of central look into things. But I think also in addition to that, um, we have a unique patient base, right? So our goal is to work with those with differing abilities, um, to get them back to a life that, that's, um, normal in whatever the the new normal happens to be. Um, and so we find it uh, to be particularly great that we can all collaborate in different ways because each of our acute care providers has different strengths. And so we might um, work together on uh, particular diagnoses um, that each has their own strengths to in order to to really give the patient, and overall um, best chance at at recovery.
0: You know, the the other thing I was thinking about a little bit is that um, the needs of the community are different and never more so than in Jacksonville with its huge um, land mass, right? So Jacksonville really encompasses rural and urban communities. And I would think that there may be some overlap in the uh, gaps in access to care and what you're uh, seeing out of your assessment, uh, but there's some market differences I would think as well. So how has the Collaborative helped you to address not only the identified um, healthcare needs in the urban core, if you will, but also in our rural communities? I think, uh and is by design are kind of tied
4: into an acute care campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mentioned, Michelle, really so much of the work has to happen in community. Mm-hmm. And everyone's footprint in that is a little different. So, you know, we talked about having an overlap, but there's so many specialties and so much outreach and so many different cultures uh, you have know, specialties, aspects that we can tie into that everybody really brings to the table. And it's, it, you know, we've said it once, and so we'll say it again, maybe it is because there's so many of us um, that we're not competitive, but our missions all align. All of us have that same vision. And as we um, have the strength in bringing people together, we're really able to cross from the urban core into the rural, even outside our traditional community kind of lines, primary service area that the CHNAs require us to define so that we're more inclusive. We're able to bring more people into the table, Mm -hmm. Um, having more resources and more communication and more outreach really is the power of this group and engagement.
0: And Bill, your work with the rural community specifically, we know that there are some unique challenges And oftentimes, because of um, some of the um, um, gaps that we see in the urban communities, that becomes the the central focus of trying to close any of those gaps. And so I I think it's just been within the last couple of years where we have really been trying to engage um, with the populations in the rural communities because they are equally, if not even more so vulnerable.
1: No, yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, for for a long time, I mean, it's it's kind of the flyover uh, communities, and the presumption is, for example, you know, well, ha- uh, homelessness is an urban problem, food deserts are an urban problem. You know, how could you have a food desert in a rural community because that's where everything gets grown? And mm-hmm. uh, but the reality is that just because there's a cornfield. Uh, down the road doesn't mean that there's necessarily fresh corn available in that community, you know, because of the way the process and the systems work. And so part of the challenge is, is getting people to understand that many of the challenges that we have recognized and identified as a society are not unique to urban communities and that these things exist in rural areas. The difference is it's simply they're not as visible. You know, we mm-hmm. we. We don't see the homelessness population, homeless population in rural communities because they're living in the woods. You know, in the urban areas, we see them because they might be on tragically sleeping on a, a grate or somewhere in the city outside of an office building. Um, you know, or or as I said, you know, food, the perception, other issues, income inst- insecurity, because it's just simply not as visible. But. Fortunately, in the last couple of years, I think there is a growing acknowledgement that that these problems uh, do exist in rural communities and the need to to do it. And I think it was interesting. I was not aware that Jacksonville's footprint was so large in terms of the geographic and that you would encompass uh, some more of the rural communities or certainly less densely populated areas of Florida, uh, as opposed to just thinking of it exclusively as an urbanized uh, area.
0: Absolutely. So I I think that that really makes the point too, there are so many needs, right? In rural communities, urban communities and everything in between, it uh, really puts the point on the whole benefit of of sharing and leveraging uh, the specialties and the relationships that each organization has developed and can bring to the table so they can collectively think about what's the best strategic approach to this. Um, So I I think that's another fabulous benefit of coming together in a partnership to complete the CHNA. The other benefit that I'm recalling back in 2010 and 11, I think that um, at that time, we engaged the Health Planning Council of Northeast Florida uh, to support the assessment, to sort of do some of the heavy lifting with the data collection, if you will, and some of the data analysis. And um, I'm thinking back to, uh, that's a pretty significant cost uh, for one organization to take on. But if you have several organizations who have developed relationships, are already comrades, if you will, uh, come together and share that cost, uh, it certainly reduces the the burden um, on any one organization. So I I think that's another pretty significant benefit.
1: I had mentioned I'm active locally on the health board in the part of Northern Virginia where I live. And uh, it was the complete opposite there. And it just, it was very frustrating because we had the health department doing a community needs assessment. We had uh, one hospital doing their needs assessment. We had uh, Kaiser health plan doing with their uh, hospitals doing a needs assessment. And then we had another uh, nonprofit hospital doing their needs assessment. They're all out there talking to the same people, interviewing the same people, essentially coming up with four reports that by and large looked largely the same because they found the same thing. But yet we expended four times the resources instead of people doing what exactly what you did, which is, okay, let's come together, let's share resources, information, and come up with a community report that we can all buy into. I just, you know, when Michelle was telling us about this, I was like, boy, you know, can, can we bring you guys up and send you to other communities? Because it, you know, what you were able to do is not uh typical of what happened in a lot of communities. So again, hats off to you guys.
0: Thank you, uh, Bill. Before, um, we segue into uh, what are some of the challenges. Bill mentioned the report itself. So many in our audience and uh, many in our audiences may not know that there's actually a physical report. So could someone um, share with us how the public might access the report?
3: The easiest thing to do is to go to your local hospital's website or one of ours um, and search for the community health needs assessment or the acronym CHNA. It is publicly available, which is actually a mandate, is publicly available on each of our websites for the community to to navigate. And
0: I think to add to that, Anne-Marie, thank you. uh, Not only the results of the assessment, but also what the identified gaps are and what each healthcare organization has prioritized and has um, allocated resources to come up with a strategy and an implementation plan to try to co- close those gaps. And yes. all of that information, I believe, is available in the public report.
3: Absolutely. And when you know when we talk about the CHA, the CHA itself is just a report of the data telling yes. us all about the community, what the gaps and opportunities are. What Michelle has just described is our community health implementation plan, which then outlines exactly what each hospital will do. So here in Jacksonville, many of our hospitals have the report, but we may have twists. You heard that we are from we our footprint may be different. So we take the same large report and we slice it by the counties that we represent. So all of our reports are very similar, but then when you look at our implementation plan, we may have very specific work that our hospitals are doing relative to the report. So the right. community health improvement plan, the details that Michelle described are very unique to each hospital while the CHNA content really overlaps all of us.
0: So Anne-Marie, could you elaborate on that a little bit um, more in terms of the implementation plans? I would imagine that, you know, one of the gaps that are identified by the assessment is access to high quality, affordable care. Right. Um, And so each organization um, might say, "Okay, let's see where that aligns um, with uh, what our unique capabilities are. So where I'm getting at is that I think as you're developing your implementation plan, there probably is some discussion um, with your partnership group, right? As you're everybody sort of putting what they're going to do on the table. Could some, someone elaborate a little bit on that process? Each
2: uh, one of our hospitals takes the community health needs assessment needs that were identified. And then uses a different process for prioritizing the needs that we will address over the next three years. And when we find commonality Mm -hmm. among all of our hospitals, that's when we identify projects that we would do as a collaborative working together. So we've done that a couple of times in the past. We have done that when I think that very first assessment, Michelle, that you were a part of, indicated that health education was Mm -hmm. lacking significantly in our community. So all of our organizations came together and funded an exhibit at our local Museum of Science and History to increase health education and health knowledge. Mm -hmm. Since then, we've worked together on projects to trained people in mental health first aid because mental health was identified as a priority for a majority of our hospitals. And we are excited to report that we just met our goal of 10,000 people in Northeast Florida trained in mental health first aid. And then we've got a current collaborative project working on senior health, specifically reducing falls in seniors. And so we all have areas that we've identified that are different from each other, and there we'll be doing our own individual projects, or we may partner with one or two other organizations to do those projects. When we have that consistency, that's when we identify the opportunity for a collaborative effort.
0: Excellent examples and congratulations on your mental health, meeting your goal and challenge as, as we know and as we've seen, particularly in COVID, um, that, 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 that it's, it's at crisis proportions. It has been for a very long time, but COVID certainly um, put a spotlight on it differently um, because of our um, restraints, right, in terms of uh, being able to um, interact
3: yeah. Michelle, could I
5: jump in there yes, real quick just to add on um, to Melanie and Melanie gave a great overview on the implementation plan. Um, and that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is that we, we, you know, we focus on the partnership priorities based off, you know, that commonality where we, we come together, but, um, and then each of the hospitals do focus on, you know, kind of hone in on a couple of the priorities, um, obviously, to make a larger impact um, with them when you kind of hone in on and then it's based off some of the the services that we're able to, you know, to provide, but then listing in the implementation plan, you may say, here's, you know, here's the top priorities that, um, for example, like Mayo Clinic is is addressing, right? But we also address that um, the ones that we are that isn't not that it's not a priority, right? But but these are the ones that we're not have do not have a specific focus on because of X Y Z because there's an organization doing this. So we recognize the other partnerships or organizations that may be focusing on it, that we may partner with in a different way, but we don't have priority programs um, um, essentially focused on it.
0: Thank you, Ashley. So I think now uh, we're going to turn to uh, the challenges. Um, the, the the benefits are certainly significant, and, and obviously the community has benefited, and your respective organizations have. This has been 10 years plus uh, going now, right, through several community health needs assessments. Um, what, what have been, if any, of the, of the challenges uh, with the partnership and this collaborative approach? Well, to
3: address the benefits, I think we've alluded to that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll, yeah. I'll put it in a nice little quote, right? Many hands make light work, right? Yeah. So if we're going down a road that is similar to each other, it makes better sense to do it together, right? Yeah. Not simply from the financial standpoint, but that's a big one, mm-hmm. but from the standpoint that we can leverage each other's existing work and the future work that we're mm-hmm. about to embark on. So, for example, Melanie mentioned the Mental Health First Aid initiative and that we made it to our 10,000. Well, it was interesting when we all took our CHAs back to our institutions and worked on an implementation plan. First, we just started bubbling, what I'll call, identifying which priorities were the most important to our respective institutions. And when we came together at a meeting and we said, "Okay, what's in your cards? We all had mental health Mm -hmm. as a priority and said, all right. What can we do together? So that is, in my opinion, one of the biggest benefits of mm-hmm. this approach to the work is that yeah. we can, you know, raise the work um, a bit easier and maybe even bigger because yeah. we come together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And leverage your respective expertise
4: and resources. And I think absolutely. just to speak to some of um, the challenges. You know, I think about uh, some of the community projects that we've tried to do together. You know, sometimes they just don't work,
2: Mm -hmm. like
4: anything. um, I think back about a community garden. And uh, really, everybody came together to do their due diligence to make sure that this was important to the community, to find the right place. And we just loved the program. We're never able to really find the right place, the right fit, the right leadership for that. So I think that's part of it. Is like any good program, you've got to have a good vetting and a good metrics, and you've got to have people that are um, invested enough to just say, you know, it's not working, and mm-hmm. we'll just find something else. There's there's lots of ways to kind of address that needs, and I would say another aspect from our institution, being Catholic healthcare, there are some programs we just would not support as an organization. It's outside mm-hmm. our mission. It may not be outside others' uh, missions, but with our ethical and religious directives, we do sometimes have that um, bumping up against different mission and visions. So I appreciate that. that everyone gives grace for that.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's because of your longstanding comradeship, if you will, that you're able to voice that and everyone's respective of that and you you, you move on. Melanie, were you going to say something?
2: I was going to add another challenge. And we, we had a prep meeting for this yesterday because we <laughs> do things together and Ashley actually brought us all together for that prep meeting. And during the conversation, Paula brought up that sometimes it's difficult for other organizations to partner with us because we all are separate entities. And that requires separate contracts, Separate funding. We are, and you've seen some of these collaboratives where they will actually come together and have one entity through which funding might flow. We have not done that. That was actually recommended as a result of not our last CHNA provider, but the one prior to that. And we we still see that there are benefits in us having our own entity, but coming together for common problems and common solutions.
0: Thank you, Melody. Jessica.
6: Michelle, the other thing that I would say is one of the challenges is the community health needs assessment brings about some pretty hard to swallow opportunities within the community. And it's really hard to move the needle. Right. So, for instance, We've seen over and over in the community health needs assessment, the same issues coming to the top, the same priorities coming to the top. And we, as an organization have said, you know, were really trying to show change. We're trying to make an impact and these issues keep coming forward. Um, I don't know that we've got a good solution for that other than we just keep working at it. Um, But as, as an organization, right, we're, we're all fixers, (laughs) um, by nature, we all want to, uh, make sure that we can, we can help those that, um, maybe need a little bit extra. And it's so hard to, to move the needle. It, it, we've seen this with, with health disparities, Mm -hmm. um, that we keep seeing that coming forward, um, and, and, and really it's just a struggle to try to, to figure out what's the correct solution there or or what's going to make the greatest impact. I don't know that we found it yet, but but we're going to keep trying.
0: Sometimes things just don't work out, right? Or sometimes you can't move the needle as quickly as you would like. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to all of you for being so resilient. Um, and then not keeping you, still keeping your eye on the work that still has to be done. You still have to continue to try to focus to move the needle, but also pivoting to where you can make a more immediate difference to address a more even more immediate need, like the pandemic. Um, so I, I think that that resiliency piece is a, a, a very um, powerful. Point to just reflect upon. You have to be really resilient to do this work, to stand in this space, right, and do the work. So I want to comment on that. Um, I think an opportunity that the collaborative of. Um, has, even with the various reports published on the websites for the respective organizations, I, I was thinking back to someone who reached out to me last year from North Carolina, um, was the leader of a very small grassroots effort trying to um, address um, the healthcare needs in their community having to do with um, diet and exercise, for example, right? And I think that specifically is what it was as they were... looking at um, the rising levels of diabetes and and, um, heart disease in their community. And I just simply asked, have you seen your community health needs assessment, right? Um, And they didn't even know what a community health needs assessment was or that organizations like all of the ones that you represent um, are required to complete this assessment every three years and develop an implementation plan. So I I, I think that that presents an opportunity um, in terms of really trying to bring this work to grassroots level community organizers who may not know that there might be some opportunities for partnership or even consultation um, with those that are engaged in this work on a regular basis. And Jessica, I would like to ask you to think about this next question, and this is really the last question for the group, and maybe we could start with you if that's okay. What advice um, would you have for healthcare leaders that may be considering a similar approach in terms of the ropes to skip and the ropes to know um, if there might be an opportunity for a similar type of collaborative effort to um, address community health needs assessments?
6: Sure, and I would say that, you know, part of the start of of a collaborative effort is to have the buy-in of your executive leadership team. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy at our level um, to come together as a collaboration. But when you're speaking at that executive leadership level, um, there might be a bit more sensitivity to the competitive nature of the two organizations or multiple organizations. So I would say um, to have those executive leaders understand what this partnership is going to bring and what it's going to do and how it's going to benefit um, not only the the individual organization, but how it's going to benefit uh, the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other thing that I would say is sometimes we just have to set our pride aside Mm -hmm. and we have to do what's right for the community mm-hmm. um, so many times we can get caught up in uh, how our organizations are performing individually um and sometimes we have to put that put that aside and say this is the right thing to do so it's what we're going to do
0: excellent advice yep. jessica and jessica if, if we so appreciate you being able to to join us And um, we would look forward to future discussions on this topic or others with with you and your your colleagues at at Brooks. So do say hello to to Doug and Mike and all of the great execs that you work with um, at Brooks. So thank you again for joining us.
6: I sure will, Michelle. Thank you for the invitation. Um, I hope to do this again. Bill, it's a pleasure to meet you. Nice meeting you. Um, and, And thank you to my colleagues for having my back on this one.
0: Yeah, you bet, Jessica. And Marie, did you want to talk a little bit um, about uh, what advice you would give to healthcare leaders that might be thinking about a similar model?
3: Sure. And, you know, apologize up front for a bit of redundancy, but it ties it together, I think, nice and neatly here. You know, Bill made the comment about, you know, how easy or not it is um, for, you know, Jacksonville's doing it. Can others do it? And I was just nodding to myself and saying, of course everyone can do it. But maybe it's not that easy, right? There's a couple of things I think that have to be taken into consideration. Know your potential team. We've talked about it already today. Right? Mm-hmm. What's the business lines? What's the emphasis? You know, Paula, you know, made it very clear Thinking about the Catholic hospital system, there's some things that she cannot step over the line on, right? So you have to understand the the mission, the cause, and truly the business lines that your fellow organizations are pursuing. We, We talked about our geography. What's the footprint? You know, as we all introduced ourselves, we identified where we're willing to go, so to speak. You have to understand that. I know our conversation today is about the community, but if we don't understand each other from the operational needs of our organizations, it could just really negatively impact our synergy. I, I like the, the acronym, the WIFM, you know, what's in it for me? Well, for our group, it's with you. is what's in it for us. That's how we execute our work together. And we know what things we need to take off the table. Um, I think we also have to be mindful to assess, to understand. So our topic today was really about, you know, developing and coordinating approaches around the CHA. but in that conversation we had earlier about the implementation plan, there is that prioritization piece, and we've talked about it, that we have to understand which pieces are we willing to come to the table to support each other on, you know, because if you don't understand that, then we may, you know, butt heads a little bit. You know, we have a specialty hospital in the mix. Um, Jessica oftentimes is leaning and being swayed to our needs um, because not a lot of the specialty lines that we talk about or the needs of the community are in direct impact of our work. So We have to be mindful. The last thing I'll say is that we have to understand the value of our collective impact opportunities. She said it, Jessica said it, and I'll just say it a little bit differently. We've got to check our logos at the door, right? Um, She jokes that she's Switzerland. I would say, and we've agreed to this, I think, um, collectively, we are Switzerland when it comes to our organization. So um, many of our uh, teammates come to us to navigate to another organization. So we're the safe space uh, in the community around our hospitals systems. And so we have to just be careful with that. You know, we have to own that. I think there's one thing about um, that I'd like to kind of point out about our partnership is that other organizations watch us intently. So they try to navigate that to use us for goodwill. So, you know, we're very mindful of, I hate to call it power, but I guess it is. So, you know, understanding the power that we have collectively understanding our differences, service lines, and, and how we view the community and where we are are all important. Again, many hands make light work, but we have to understand, um, that there are very different organizations coming to the table.
0: Melanie, were you going to add to that?
3: I,
2: I, did, I love what Anne-Marie said and, and the emphasis that she placed on what Jessica said. In addition, I'll, I'll throw out another phrase and it's go fast, go alone, go far, go together. And so one piece of advice is be prepared for things to not move quite as quickly as they would if you were doing it on your own. I mean, we're very careful to make sure that we are all on the same page with a collaborative project before we move forward. And while that takes a little bit more time on the front end, it enables us to get a whole lot more done for the community in the long term.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Go fast, go along. Go further, go together. I just, just beautiful. Thank you. We're going to take a break for just a couple of moments. And when we will turn in the next episode of the Health Disparities Podcast, we'll be moving into part two and we will explore how the collaborative CHNA model in Jacksonville, Florida, played an important role in the community's response to the COVID 19 pandemic. So please join us for part two a coordinated and collaborative approach to community health needs assessment in the context of the pandemic. So thank you to our panel for all of your insights today, and thank you to our listeners for joining us once again.